Welcome to Unjaded, the podcast. I'm your host, Clara Jade, and each week we'll be touching on different aspects of relationships, dating, intimacy, and sexuality. Hello, 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 friends. Happy Monday, and welcome back to Unjaded, the podcast. I hope everybody had a relaxing weekend because I did not. (laughs) It's been a very busy life. But it has been a very blessed life. And even though I end every single day super exhausted, I am so grateful to be doing the things that I like doing every single day. I am finally understanding what Big Sean meant when he said, F of AK, I feel better at work. Um, when I first heard that lyric, I was working at a clothing store and I was like, uh-uh. But now, now I get it. <laughs> Today's episode is going to be about eating disorders and body dysmorphia and that, um, and and just kind of perception of beauty in general um, in relation to dating and um, sex. Um, The reason for this topic is if you follow me on Instagram, which you should if you're not, but if you are, I have been hinting not so subtly for the past like four or five weeks that I am going to be a guest on Taraji P. Henson's new Facebook series, Peace of Mind with Taraji. And today is the release of my episode. So you can go check that out on Facebook Watch if you are interested. You can go and listen to that and then come back or you can listen to this and then go there, whatever you want. But Essentially, in that episode, I am talking about um, my struggles with eating disorder and my body image, and a little bit about depression. Um, this was so nerve wracking and scary for me because it's something that I haven't really openly talked about, especially on the internet or anything like that. I have um, talked about my uh, adolescence and and the racial bullying that took place in that time, but not so much um, about my own personal struggle with my body and food um but yeah it was so scary I cried a lot um but of course Taji and Tracy made me feel super comfortable the producers were amazing they made me feel comfortable they had a a mental health professional on set like everything was so great it was such a freeing experience and I am so excited to be able to share that I was really worried I'm not gonna lie the past few weeks that (laughs) I would watch it and I would come off like a super like insecure, um, like just sad, I hate myself person. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I'm like, you know what, that's okay. Because while that's not what I am now, and, and I think about myself right now, I'm, I, it took time to, to build confidence and I'm still working on it. Obviously I'm not confident every single day, but it, it took a lot of work to get to where I am now, um, to really like appreciate myself and, and, and treat myself and my body with love. Um, and that is something that's very hard for people to do, especially when you grow up in an environment where you're constantly told that you are not pretty enough, you're not skinny enough, you're you're not enough in general. And, um, when you grow up in a society where you don't really see yourself a lot in the media, um, I grew up in a very white town. This is going to come up a lot. Just, this is something just to remember. (laughs) I grew up in a very white town. I went to an all white school, so what I was, was not the beauty standard, right? I was not um, white. I was not blonde. I didn't have blue eyes. Um, I was very opposite of that. So when you 
grow up around all of that. That's what you see on TV. Have people come in to tell you, oh, like you're the first black person I've ever met in person. It kind of makes you feel like, okay, like I don't think I'm beautiful because I see like, you know, Stacy's getting praised every day for her beautiful blue eyes. So what about my like shit brown eyes? Am I not beautiful? Like, you know, and, and of course now in adulthood, you know that, you know, somebody else's beauty doesn't take away from yours. But when you never see your beauty being praised and you're 10, <laughs> yeah, that's going to affect you. So at 10 years old, I developed an eating disorder. I have struggled my entire life um, with, uh, at first it was anorexia, then it turned into bulimia, and then it turned into, I don't know, actually it was anorexia that turned into binge eating, um, and then it turned into bulimia, um, and then just overall body dysmorphia and unhealthy relationship with food. It is something I am still struggling with. I'm not going to get up here and lie and be like, everything's all good. I still don't know when I'm hungry. I still slightly enjoy the feeling of hunger. And I have to remind myself that that is not, that is not you. <laughs> and that's not okay. And that's not healthy. And like, you deserve to eat and you need to feed your body and take care of yourself to live a life. You want to live till you're a hundred, right girl? Like you will not get there if you are skipping meals or you're like binge eating or you're not really taking care of yourself. So it is a process. It's something that I'm still dealing with. This is probably the best I've ever been in terms of my relationship with food. I'm actually like, you know, eating balanced meals. Um, for the most part, I am trying to eat, even if I, even if I'm not necessarily hungry or I don't know that I'm hungry, I try to be like, okay, you haven't eaten in, you know, six, seven hours. So it's, <laughs> let's get something to eat. Um, and then eating an appropriate amount when I do eat. Um, because that was an issue for me. Um, just like starving myself all day and then getting to the end of the day and binging on like McDonald's or something. So yeah, it is, it is really struggle. It's been a hard, a long, hard road <laughs> for me. Um, it is hard for me to like surround myself with people who don't have a regular eating schedule because it kind of makes me fall back into that, uh, cycle. So, <laughs> um, it is, yeah, it, it's, it's a process. It's a process and, uh, and we'll talk more about that, but all in all, um, when you're growing up and you don't see yourself in the media, it does affect how you view yourself, how you view beauty. And while people can't really help what they're attracted to, to an extent, um, and you know, like if you just like blonde hair, you like blonde hair, whatever, um, your perception of beauty and your standard of beauty can be manipulated. And I'm saying that because if we thought back to maybe 10 years ago, having a big butt was the worst thing a girl could have. Like it was something that was not, you didn't want to have a big butt. You didn't want to have big hips. You didn't want to have any of that. We want to be like very, very straight, slim bodies, right? Fast forward now, the the BBL is a very popular um <laughs> it's a very popular surgery and I'm saying that because like bitch I want one like it and, I, and I'm very I'm very pro I'm very pro surgery so so don't come for me if you if there is something that you don't like about your body and you got the money and you got the time and everything to fix it not fix it because there's nothing necessarily wrong but you have the ability to change it do that <laughs> um I myself, I have not personally had any 
surgeries or any type of cosmetic alterations to my body yet. But yeah, there are a few things that I'm like, yeah, I wish I could, you know, do a little bit of this and, you know, you know, slim down my thighs a little bit, whatever it is. Um, and that's okay. That's everybody's like personal choice. I'm, I'm speaking very general in terms of um, just our perception of what is beautiful and what is not. And yeah, big butts were right. Um, I remember there was a time that a very straight, slim build with massive boobs was a thing. So like people were getting boob jobs a lot. We'd be very like top heavy. And that was like, the, that was like the wave. And I'm, I'm not speaking about this, by the way, because I know that I have some like Southern Americans probably listening to this and being like, what are you talking about? I live in Canada. I'm up north. I live around a lot of white people. So most of the media that I took in was um, Caucasian media. So when I was growing up, the most beautiful woman in the world was Jennifer Aniston. Um, or the sexiest woman, whatever it was. I don't remember what that title was. But it was given to Jennifer Aniston. Uh, and I remember very vividly being like, really? If we were going to try that now, <laughs> everybody and they mama would be like, lies like cap she's not <laughs> and that's not because she's not beautiful because jennifer aniston is a beautiful woman it is because the features that she has does not um the features that she has do not um reflect what is our society's manipulated beauty standard right now because right now we want some big plump injected lips we want hips we want flat stomach we want titties we want like that whole um kardashian jenner look and i'm calling it the kardashian jenner look not because it belongs to them because they don't even look like that i'm saying that because those features are only accepted on a certain type or tone of woman if that makes sense because African women, black women, Jamaican women, and Asian women, like black women been having big butts. Latina women been having hips. Like we, the ethnics, <laughs> like we've been having that, right? But it wasn't, it wasn't accepted because we were not the standard and the standard was a white woman and what is achievable or attainable by a white woman. Now that we have all these like BBLs and all these uh, cosmetic surgeries that are achievable and attainable by white women, right? And they go and they get these cosmetic surgeries. It is That is now what we think is beautiful. When we see those features either on a person of a skin tone that's not, you know, lighter than a paper bag, which is what our beauty standard is, or if we see those features that um, paired with a feature that we don't want, say there is this hella ass, but there's tummy and there's cellulite, then suddenly those features aren't so beautiful anymore. So all that to say, yeah, we, while you're like, I just like blonde hair or whatever. Why do you like blonde hair? I just like a girl with a big butt and a skinny waist. Why do you like that? And it's it's because we are essentially told by the media what is beautiful and what's not. Um, and, and because this changes every few years, every few decades, whatever, it is very dangerous for young girls and young boys to 
kind of be brought up in that, like thinking that and, and thinking that there's only one standard of beauty because then when you don't fit that standard of beauty, it's like, oh shit, there's something wrong with me, right? There's something wrong with me. I'm not, you know, I would see things that are like, oh, like if a girl weighs more than 170, I'm like, boy, do you know what 170 looks like? Like, I, I, I can, I'm gonna tell you right now, y'all, I weigh more than 170. I don't think the last time I weighed less than 170, I was probably 15, maybe. And it's crazy because whenever I tell people, that like back when I was in the 200s, I was like, yeah, I'm like over 200. People be like, what? What are you talking about? You don't look. And I'm like, exactly. Because you cannot tell anybody's weight. You can't tell the weight of anything with your eyes. And I don't know why people try to do that. I don't know why people try to measure anything with their eyes. Now, you cannot look at somebody and just assume that they're, you know, 300 pounds, but it's like, nah, they're not. Yeah. There's somebody and assume that they're a hundred pounds. It's like, uh, maybe they're not like that shit was really, that shit was really hard growing up. Um, having, having people kind of like assume people's weight and then pick these arbitrary numbers of like, well, if a girl is more than this, or if a guy weighs less than this or like whatever, then they're not acceptable. So all these things that we have in society and the media and because we're all assholes about body image and we're all doctors and, you know, and, and like health professionals apparently when it comes to this stuff. Um, it really like messes you up, right? So <laughs> in my childhood, I grew up thinking I was fat, grew up, you know, walking around like I didn't want to take up any space. Um, I remember vividly a day that I fell in class and some boys yelled, or in gym class and like that, and some boys yelled like timber and like earthquake and shit. And like that crushed my, my soul. Like I, and it's like stupid because I'm like, oh, like I was talking to Brianna, shout out Brianna on the weekend about how it sucks that people like, you remember these things that happened to you, these traumatic experiences so vividly, you'll never forget them. This is something that happened to me when I was about maybe 12 years old. And I will never, ever in my life forget it. <laughs> and it sucks because I'm sure these little boys that are, you know, provided that traumatic experience for me, created that traumatic experience for me, will probably don't remember it, right? And and that and that's kind of what sucks about life and like memory. There are some things that like you will always remember and that they changed, literally had such an impact on you and changed like the trajectory of your life. And other people don't, they're going on with their life. They don't remember that. You know, I have teachers where I'm like, no, like this traumatic thing happened in your classroom. They're like, what? I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm glad that you could forget. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> but, you know, and that's like nobody's fault. You know, it's it's all a healing process. We all, I'm sure that there are things that, you know, I have done to others that really, really impacted them in a negative way that they still think about. And I and I don't, you know, remember. And, and it sucks. That That is something that really sucks. And thankfully, with all the knowledge we have now about, you know, mental health and healing, we can work towards unpacking some of that stuff and healing from it. But it doesn't change the fact that it happened, right? So I started dating like seriously when I was about like 18, 19. And I had, because I still have this thought in my head that I'm, you know, much bigger than I am, I would purposely go out of my way to date men that were um, very visibly bigger than me. And, and it wasn't um, bigger, like, you know, like they're strong and they work out, whatever, but just bigger in terms of like, I would date like a, like a thick, like hunky man, you know? Um, 
And a lot of times, like, sometimes I wasn't attracted to them. Sometimes I wasn't, whatever it was. But it just, it felt good to be, um, like, smaller than someone, if that makes sense. And and sometimes I, because I didn't know what I looked like, because body dysmorphia is a bitch, I would assume that I was, like, the same size or bigger than people that I was not <laughs> the same size or bigger than. So I would go out of my way to date these men that were you know, bigger than me for a really long time. Like it was just a thing where even if a guy that was like, I guess an average build came to talk to me, try to take me on a date, I would just kind of shy away from that because I'm like, I'm so big that I have to date somebody equally as big and are like, I'm a certain height. So I date somebody who's taller than me. And it's like, I had this thing where like my type was like men that, you know, were, you know, clearly, you know, over and again, you can't measure with your eyes, but, you know, men that would tell me that they were over 200 pounds, um, usually like the softer type, again, not like necessarily working out. Um, they were usually about like six feet or more. And mind you, I'm like five, four, so I don't need a man that's six feet. Um, but that was like, I was so obsessed with feeling small or petite or, bain- or like dainty because that was something that I was never seen as growing up in as a black girl in all white town no matter how um masculine or feminine i am i would i would always be seen as seen as masculine i was always um i was always treated as if i was you know like as if i was literally like six feet and 350 pounds no matter what room i walked into because you know i was i'm a dark-skinned black woman like that is what that was so and I think a lot of black women feel this way where it's like, no, we have to almost like play up our femininity because when we're in a room of um, light-skinned women or we're in a room of of, of uh, white women or or what, what have you, we are seen, no matter how big we actually are, no matter how loud we actually are, no matter like what it is, we are always going to be seen as the, the masculine um, one in the room. So in order to kind of gain some of my femininity back I would for one like really really play out my femininity um which is something that I kind of do now but it's more from a from a from a more authentic place now than it was before because when I was a kid I did not like the color pink I didn't want to wear dresses I didn't want to do any of that but there came a point where I was like all right like I have to do these things because if I walk into this classroom and I'm not wearing makeup I'd get treated differently if I have my hair up or it's short, I get treated differently. And I still notice that today that like, depending on the hairstyle or the way that I'm dressed, that men will treat me differently. And sometimes even women will treat me differently. Um, so when it comes to like building relationships, you kind of have that in your head when you're kind of thinking about who you want to be with. Like some women have this thing with being with a man that is darker than them. That is not necessarily something I've had. I, I have I feel like I've dated like all shades of black and brown, but um, that is some women's preference or, or some even men will date women that are lighter than them strictly because we are in a society where our, again, our the manipulation makes us think that dark equals masculine, light equals feminine. We watch TV and uh, like every show I can think of that, like the, the family was black, the mom is usually light skin, dad is dark skin, like my wife and kids, um, the Cosby show, I mean, the mama was not like super, super light skin, but she was still pretty classified as she's lighter than Bill Cosby. Um, 
And I hate that I just used that reference because like, fuck him, but damn. Okay, whatever. Moving on. There's <laughs> um, another shit I'm thinking about right now. Oh, a freaking Fresh Prince. Like they went and they had like a dark-skinned mama and they switched her out for a light-skinned one. Like <laughs> this is something that like black people specifically are have grown up seeing a lot, like where femininity is a light-skinned woman right? So, and and now the, the, when someone says a black woman, we be thinking about Lauren London, right? And Lauren London is a black woman, obviously, but she's mixed, right? <laughs> like she, her, I think her mama white. Um, yeah, her mama's white. And not that she's like any less black. She, she's again, biracial, but when we think of black women, we, our minds tend to go to the, um, lighter skinned, um, black women, <laughs> Because those are who are cast in movies, right? When we are having a movie, we're excited about the the black main character. Like finally, a black woman is cast or a black girl is cast. It is um usually a thin and light skinned woman, which is why the movie Precious was so amazing to me. Because Gabrielle Sidibe is not the, your typical. She's gorgeous. She is beautiful. Mind you, she is the, the celebrity on the Peace of Mind episode that I'm on. So go watch that and hear about her um, struggle with bulimia. But she was everything. She defied all odds. She was dark skin. She was like big. Like she was not what we were told was beautiful. She was not the typical like lead black woman in a movie. So every time she was cast in like anything, like I was ready when she was on Empire, I was like, yes, I'm watching it. She is amazing and she loves herself. And that is something that is so wild and like to 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 everybody. Like people hate it. People hate that she loves herself. People hate that Lizzo loves herself. Like they like there's nothing that makes a body shamer more mad than a fat person minding their business and a fat person loving themselves, right? So and then she talks about her man, right? And 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 again, watch the Peace of Mind episode. I keep like plugging this in here and I feel like you guys should just watch it. So I don't have to keep doing this. <laughs> but she talks about her man and and her love and I love seeing that because there was a time that I thought that, you know, because who would ever love me because I'm big or because I'm dark skin or because whatever it was, you kind of have that. So then that kind of plays into last week's episode where you start dating way below your typical, your standards or way below what you want. Um, because you're like, am I good enough for what I actually want? Am I deserving of what I actually want? And a lot of that has to do with body image, but at the same time, it also has to do with self-esteem, right? And and what you think about yourself and not really placing your weight or your appearance so high on a pedestal, but it's hard to do. And, and I'm not going to fault anybody for doing it because I do it. I did it. Um, because that's what society shows us. The whole pretty privilege thing is real. It's like you think that you are not beautiful because you are not seeing your features or people who look like you um being praised as as beautiful we get we don't, even in today when we're we're, we're trying we're, we're making slow product progress in um media and, and entertainment but when you see dark skin praise there is something very consistent across the board where it is they're usually like 
super dark and oiled up. All right. Like to the point where it's like, I remember there was a thing about uh, photographers like actually darkening the skin of uh, dark skin models to make them look even darker and oiling them up and whatever. And uh, that's when we were like, oh, this chocolate goddess. And it's like, all right. But when she is walking down the street and she's in jeans and a t-shirt and, you know, she's bald headed, are we going to keep that same energy is the question. Are we going to just like her online and she's oiled up and naked, right? So catching yourself in things like that and kind of realizing, really checking yourself and being like, do I think this is attractive or am I manipulated into thinking that this is attractive? Do I actually like this? Do I actually want this? Do I actually want to look like this? Or am I manipulated into thinking that this is the beauty standard, right? Um, yeah, this episode is going to be a little bit longer than last week's. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> um, but I'm trying to tie this all together here. Um, I'm so tired, so I apologize all over the place. I didn't really do much planning for this episode, clearly. Hey, y'all. If you are enjoying this podcast and you love conversations about mental health and open, honest conversations with real people going through real things in their everyday life, you are going to love Taraji P. Henson's new Facebook Watch series, Peace of Mind with Taraji. The show is hosted by Taraji P. Henson and her best friend, Tracy Jade, and they are encouraging people of color and black people to talk more openly about mental health. Taraji B. Henson is a huge mental health advocate and she is absolutely amazing and the show is incredible and you might see some faces that are a little familiar. So check that out every Monday on Facebook Watch. You can just search up Peace of Mind with Taraji on Facebook and it's all there. You're gonna have to do some catching up to do because we're already at week six, but we all need things to binge watch in quarantine. So check out Peace of Mind with Taraji now on Facebook Watch. When you're only seeing one type of person celebrated or one tone of person, one race of person, whatever it is, when you're seeing like one specific type of person or feature being celebrated and you don't have that feature or or you have the opposite of that feature, even worse, <laughs> it, it is really damaging to your self-esteem and it, and it affects how you navigate spaces, including like your dating life and your friendships and your relationships. Um, there was a time that I literally would not befriend people that were like looked too opposite of me in (laughs) um because it sucks to you know walk into a room and you know you're being ignored because you're like dark-skinned black girl in the room and whatever like things like that like really sucked and growing up that was kind of my experience because I didn't have anybody that looked like me around me so I was usually the one that was you know the masculine dark-skinned friend the one that they would assume was the ghetto black girl. And when I wasn't, um, they were disappointed. (laughs) Um, so yeah, it was, that is really hard. And then when you, you know, you do enter a relationship and then, you know, you have all of this other stuff on top of that, you know, like eating disorders and body dysmorphia. And then you start worrying like, oh my gosh, you know, you don't, I don't want to take my shirt off when we're having sex. And oh my gosh, I don't like when we're bent in that position because my stomach rolls are showing. And it's just all this like stupid, extra stuff that comes along with 
low self-esteem and any type of like body image issues and just the world's beauty standards in general and it like it sucks it's it's horrible and it takes a long time to work through it but when you finally like realize I guess I don't want to say like find a person but realize that mature people don't really care about that stuff you know I used to be so afraid to like get naked I didn't want to have sex with the lights on like just things like that when you get like really self-conscious about things that like nobody really cares about you know like I don't want to get all like gross because I don't want I don't know I had everybody that was listening to my podcast last week was over 18 so maybe I just will get into it but when you are like bent in a position and you know you're making an ugly face and your roles are showing usually the person is too concentrated on everything else that is happening within their body <laughs> to be focused on like oh my god her roles oh my god what face is she making mm, like her double chin ain't nobody care about that that is the last thing that's the last thing um and i think that sex became way more enjoyable for oh, fuck sorry mom uh i hope my mom i mean she probably didn't listen this far she probably doesn't know how to get onto spotify anyways fine um, <laughs> when I stopped caring so much about what I looked like and just let myself have sex <laughs> and just let myself be me in the bedroom, it became so much more enjoyable for me. Like it is, it is so freeing to just let go of all of that bullshit, you know? And like, yeah, you're not going to look like a supermodel every single day. You're not going to be, you know, super cute from certain angles. And that is okay because you're a freaking person and you are more than your appearance and you're more than your body size and everything else. So with all that to say, again, I'm going to end this episode off right here. Thank you guys so much for listening and um, I will be more organized this week or next week tomorrow wednesday fuck y'all i just it's been it's been it's been a it's been a week <laughs> it's only monday but it's already been a week yeah but i hope you guys enjoyed my rambling um and my kind of going off topic i might have to name this episode something else because i didn't really talk about the dating and sex too much asuka but as much as just overall beauty standards and bodies and stuff but yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed it. And please, please, please check out Peace of Mind with Taraji. It was such a good experience. I want to thank her so much. I want to thank Miss Kia Stone for reaching out to me and, and finding my little old post from a year ago <laughs> and asking and inviting me to be part of this because it was an amazing experience that I will never, ever, 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 ever forget. Um, and it changed so much for me. And uh, yeah, so I hope you guys enjoyed it. I will see you guys or you will hear me on Wednesday.